This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. We're here for another episode of Sports and Corks, and this week we are joined by a special guest, um, Raul, our good friend, and along with Emily Cornell, um, University of Wyoming graduate. Welcome, Raul. Go Polks. Uh, thanks for having me on again. <laughs> thanks for um, agreeing to come back. No, so, I'm um, happy to come back. <laughs> love it. I'm Emily Jarenka. I'm Emily Cornell. And um, Emily is going to start us off with a recap of college basketball from this past week. Okay, so San Diego State remains the only undefeated team in college basketball. So that's really a good look for the Mountain West. It's, you know, we're a West Coast team fan pod pretty much. Um, and at this point, like we had a few weeks ago, had talked about how if like they might have some challenges um, towards the beginning of this month. And like, it's, they don't look like they're stopping. And in a couple weeks, uh, conference tournaments begin and I think they're handily going to win the Mountain West um, unless some team comes out of nowhere and is like, we're good. Which, if any team in the Mountain West were to do that, I would hope it is the University of Wyoming. It is not <laughs> going to be the University of That'd Wyoming. Nice. <laughs> right? Like, would you go up to Laramie to, like, celebrate? Uh, if they made it to the tournament, I probably would make my way up there. It'd be worth it. It's fun to hang out when they do really well, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> and then uh, last week we briefly talked about Duke and UNC and how like UNC almost upset Duke and UNC is just having like the worst luck. They played Notre Dame last night and like <sighs> barely lost again. <laughs> It's very <laughs> unfortunate. They're having the they, worst they, luck. They should have won that UNC game. Felt pretty bad for them. It was like such a bad way to lose, I suppose. Yeah, it, it's just it's just not their year, and that's fine. Um, there's always next year. Roy Williams is getting so old <laughs> that I'm like, <laughs> uh, you have to win another championship so that you can retire because uh, he just maybe should not continue on um but but then that made me think like is duke actually as good as they're ranked and i don't i don't think they are <laughs> which I, might be a hot um, take sorry to interrupt i saw something that they, they've had like 12 different lineups this year like mm-hmm. starting lineups wow so it's kind of crazy to think they went from i've, I've heard they go like nine deep so they have pretty good depth. So I don't know if that has anything to do. I mean, that might be good to come tournament time if they can just throw a bunch of bodies out there. Yeah. 
I mean, that, um, it's good to be able to have a very well-rounded team. Mm-hmm. But They're nowhere near as good as last year, though. No. Yeah, yeah, they don't have the stars. It's kind of funny. They went, yeah, it's kind of impressive slash funny. They went from, like, a, you know, a top, you know, the, you know, they have three guys getting drafted in the first 20 picks of the draft. Because barely, yeah, I don't think they have, like, any good NBA prospects, really, to being, like, um, you know, a, I guess supposedly, like, 90 team in, in literally one year, which I find, I thought, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, but then they played um, Duke, played Florida State. It was another close game. <laughs> I'm, Florida State is such an interesting team to me. I feel like they're just one of those teams that you can never count out particularly in the tournament. But I felt like Florida State was, I don't know, maybe I just was like, Florida State is okay. And so I thought that Duke would beat them by more. Yeah, I mean, maybe it, I don't know, maybe it shows just kind of how a lot of teams are on a similar level of competition. Yeah. <laughs> this year is just really weird because there aren't really... There's not there's not one team that everyone's obsessed with because of how good they are, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. definitely different. Definitely. I kind different of. Last year. Yeah, I kind of like though um, when you have a tournament like with with a bunch of teams like that where it's kind of anyone's game. Um, haven't had that in a while. I feel like I feel like the past couple of years there have definitely been um, some dominant teams that you kind of expected to make you know, do really well in the tournament. And this year, I feel like it could be anyone's to win. That's true. So that's why I'm kind of enjoying this year, even though it may be on paper is not as exciting as other years. I don't know if it's the on paper piece of it, because on paper, there's a lot of like very close games that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be bet like um, close games. And I think that's what is like, oh, are these teams actually that good or is it just like people are slowing down on the cheating because they're scared <laughs> the FBI is going to investigate oh, no. them? No one's ever doing that, I <laughs> no. don't think. I know. <laughs> the show goes on. <laughs> the show goes on. It does. I think the past few years you had, I mean, actually for the past five, six years, you had a, a lot of those big one-and-done kind of teams that caught national headlines, you know, whether it be Kentucky, Duke. I don't think you have any of that this year, really. Actually, I know there's none of that. It's, I think there's like <laughs> seven or eight like really good teams this year that I think really have a chance to win it. Yeah. Go Gonzaga. <laughs> and like, yeah, Gonzaga. Gonzaga's up there, Dayton. Like, they're teams that yeah. are, I've, excuse me, a good number are uh, mid-majors. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would like to see Dayton make a deep run. I enjoy them. That'd be fun. It, it's just fun to see, um, you know, not one of the Power Five teams make it. I think if of all of them right now, it, Baylor is going to do well. <laughs> Though right now, they uh, I was watching the beginning of their game against Oklahoma tonight, and um, it wasn't a good time for the Baylor Bears, but it was <laughs> a good time for the Oklahoma Sooners. Baylor picked it up towards the end of the first half, but my goodness. I guess it's good to see not only Power 5 teams are very likely to win it all in the Gonzagas, in the Daytons, 
um, in the San Diego States. It'd just be really great to see one of those teams or all of those teams. It'd be great if all of the if the Final Four was like all those teams. None of them were Power Five teams. Mm-hmm. That'd be unprecedented. That'd be pretty. <laughs> yeah, it'd be so fun. But I'm wondering if like viewership would be down because oh, people it'd be terrible. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Issue. It would definitely be down because <laughs> yeah. no one yeah, bandwagon be... fans any of those schools. No, yeah, no, they would be. T- I mean, I, credit to college basketball. I, I tried as a big research guy. Tried <laughs> finding college basketball ratings, and I could not find them. Really, I, I like literally could not find like an, a seasonal average, like up or down, which huh. probably tells me they're a little down if I can't find them so openly. Sure, but. That would probably be the case if you had a bunch of non-Power 5 conferences make it deep in because you wouldn't have those fan bases come to watch. But I still think that'd be pretty nice. Yes. Uh, maybe not for viewership numbers, but just for <laughs> keeping things interesting. Yeah. It'd be good for those programs also. Mm-hmm. That too, yeah. Maybe it would help someone us. gets their first title. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> it's... I mean, you'd be happy if it was Gonzaga. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Probably a pretty small portion of the country would be super excited about that, but that's okay. I don't know. I feel like people, <laughs> now that they say Gonzaga correctly on, like, every sports most channel. Most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Sometimes they're still like, Gonzaga. And I'm like, yeah. they didn't make it to, like, the national championship a couple of years ago. It's fine. Why bother saying the name correctly? Uh, For me, it's more like you. They, these people say Zags, so I'm like, so where is the? How do you go from Gonzaga to Zags? Like you're not saying Zogs, so I just don't. I'm like, if you know Zags, then like, how are you saying this incorrectly? That's what I really don't understand. <laughs> is when you hear people say both of those things, you're like, what? It's <laughs> but you know. Different strokes for different folks. It's like yeah. when they call Nevada Nevada, Nevada. Mm-hmm. or um, Oregon. Is it Oregon? The, Oregon. People, yeah. <laughs> people emphasize different parts of the word. They do. Yeah. And I'm like, where'd you learn to read? Yeah, but is it Colorado or Colorado? <laughs> you you basically said the same word. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Penn State just cooged it against Illinois. Penn State was ranked. They were looking pretty good for the Big Ten. And I am not going to lie. The Big Ten I've not been, like, super intrigued by. I've been, I, like, watched Michigan, Michigan State, and that was fun, but nothing too exciting that I'd write home about. Um, but then I was looking at rankings today, and Ohio State's ranked again. Hmm. And I'm just like, yep. <laughs> Like, that seems wrong, Um, just because they were not doing very well for a really long time. I'm like, how are they now ranked? Um, But that's just more of a question out into the world, like, wait, what? I like Ohio State, but I don't know if I agree with that ranking. And Oregon beat Colorado in Eugene. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a little like you had some some shade to throw i don't know i mean i just hoped for more i guess but 
all the Colorado teams let us down this week in sports. Like, you know, it's just meant to be, I guess. I'd like to think one day it'll all get better for Colorado fans. Um, but it started off on a pretty rough note, starting with Mel Tucker, and then it just, everything else in the state of Colorado for sports teams just rapidly went downhill last week. Yep. <laughs> Um, but it was a close game between Oregon and Colorado. Like, I think that both of those teams, um, on like a neutral, at a neutral site, because like Colorado won in Boulder, Oregon mm-hmm. won in Eugene, uh, they'll be fun teams to watch in the tournament. Hopefully. They might just pull a Pac 12, play themselves, and get knocked out real early. Yeah. Or maybe, you know. I don't know. I'm excited for the Pac-12 tournament. It'll be fun. I think it'll be really good. And there are teams that are really bad in the Pac-12, but there are teams that are going to come in and they're ready to surprise everyone. Um, Anything else for college basketball from this past week? No. And I know Raul, appreciate you catching up on uh, college basketball. You are not our college basketball guy. So it was I good am that you definitely not your college basketball guy. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, are our I, tennis I, guy. I am your tennis guy for sure. Luckily, we're getting it. We're getting to it only three weeks after the Australian Open ended. Okay. <laughs> only. <laughs> Sorry. Only three weeks. It's okay. Sorry. No, I didn't no, know no. when it ended. <laughs> That's the point. That's the issue. I, I think actually, I think the final was literally on Super Bowl. The same day as the Super Bowl. Oh wow, so that was that's tough. A very tough draw. Smart yeah, decision. It's not great. Not the best for sure. Who planned this? Yeah, I don't know. The funny thing is, they moved it by like two weeks. Um, it used to end two weeks sooner than it did this year, and I think why they did it was, I think they had to do something with the Chinese New Year. Mm, yeah. Hmm. Um, because it was that final, like that third week of January was um, the Chinese New Year, I believe. And with Australia being in the same time zone as China, I guess they wanted to make sure they get those the China crowd, you know, watching the tournament. I think that was partially the reason reasoning that happened. I, I that's this one. I, I the one I the cool thing I saw because I was reading that was I think it was four years ago. Uh, Lani won the Australian Open, and apparently they got like 90 million viewers in China for that final, hmm. which is insane. Again, how much do you trust the numbers coming out of China? But um, I think that's I think that has a big reasoning up to why they've moved the timings, because they're not going to get the U.S. viewers. They're really not. The timings just don't work. No. The finals start at like 3.30 a.m. So, yeah. So I'm guessing they're going after the people that can watch it at a reasonable time. Did you wake up early to watch it? I'll be completely honest. I did not. <laughs> I'm disappointed in you. I know. I um, did not watch. If Federer was in the final, I probably would have watched. Um, but I didn't. I did watch. I did actually watch the, the the final, but I just watched it after I woke up at a normal time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I guess a little update. Um, Novak Djokovic went on the men's side. He beat Dominic Thiem, um, and he had beaten Federer, sadly for me, in the semifinals. Um, <laughs> if I can make some excuses, Federer was hurt. He had played like two five-set matches um, before 
uh, you know, going against Novak. And I don't even know how he won his quarterfinals match. Um, he was, he was like down. I don't know how he even won that. I think the other guy potentially may have choked a little bit, but um, once he got to Djokovic, you knew within the first set, like Federer is not going to win this. Like, and Djokovic won it. It's going away. But congrats to Novak Djokovic. He wins his 17th Grand Slam, which Holy is cow. now two behind Rafael Nadal and three behind Djokovic. He's, he's coming up on their records. I mean, he's, he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. Is he a fan favorite? Novak is not as much of a fan favorite as Nadal or Federer. But so, okay, so the last time Raul came on, he talked about how people follow men's tennis a little bit different than women's tennis in terms of like the different athletes and how like there isn't like a group that's coming up behind the current like big names. Mm-hmm. So like, did you feel like watching the Australian Open? There were any people that like pe- you could see fans getting behind. There is one player that I feel like fans are getting behind, but he's very controversial. I oh. think that's part of the reason. Is Nick? I don't know if you've heard of Nick Kyrgios. Um, he is a pretty. He's Australian. Okay. Um, and he's he's. I think he's insanely talented. But he sometimes loses it mid-match. Like, he's a very frequent racket breaker. Oh. Like, if he misses a point, he'll just smash his racket and he gets angry. And I really think if he can just figure out, like, the mental side of his game, he's insanely talented. Um, Okay. I think he's really good. And people watch him, which is kind of... So what I was looking at was... um, his match against Rafael Nadal in the Australian Open, I think, was the most viewed match, like, worldwide um, from the Australian Open. So that kind of gives you an idea that I think Rafael Nadal, obviously, is very popular, but you don't see Rafael Nadal usually being the most viewed match of a tournament unless Federer or somebody goes out super, super early. Mm-hmm. But I think Nick Kyrgios is gaining this, like, weird... People either love him or people absolutely hate him. I don't think there's much in the middle for him. So I think that is kind of stirring up. You know, it's kind of that villainous role. Some people like, some people don't like, but it's it's causing people to be interested in him. And mm-hmm. people come out to watch him or turn, you know, change the channel to watch him. I think he's a rising star. If he can just figure out how to just keep it together for most matches, I think he has the potential to, you know... To be somebody that can take the sport on in the next 10 years after these three. Okay. That's good. Like, that's a good sign. Yeah, it's a good sign. It's better than before. I mean, really in the past, as I said in the last podcast, there's really nobody in that second group that I don't think that really excites anybody on like a worldwide or national stage. But I think he's the one that will get people whether they hate him or like him, but they'll, he'll get people to watch him. So you brought up kind of the mental stuff with tennis. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. What challenges, I mean, obviously you play tennis um, for fun, Mm -hmm. but what, what kind of challenges do you think that players have um, just in terms of mental blocks that they have to get over with this kind of a sport? Right. I think that being an individual sport where you're kind of, it's just you. I mean, you can't get coaching during the match. 
Um, you're kind of, it's just, you know, whatever you've practiced, whatever you've gone through before the match. I think that can be tough on some people when, you know, you can't really air it out. So I think you have to be very mentally composed. And I, I think, I think that's a huge reason on the men's side. I think Federer, if I'm being completely honest, Federer should not be the third-ranked player at this current moment. He, he's, not, he's not more athletic. At this, he's like 39 years old. He's not more <laughs> athletic. He's not better than some of these younger players. Not anymore. But I think that composure, that mental side, is what is kind of keeping him around way longer than he ever should have stuck around. And I think Nadal <laughs> and Djokovic have that mental side grasp down. They can handle it. They know how to stay composed. But I think a lot of these younger, the younger tennis players, they got to really get the, the, compo- the mental side really figured out. Because it's tough. I mean, when you're just out there all by yourself, you know, a few shots don't go the way you want it to. It can start creeping up into your mind and just cause like a chain reaction, you know, for the rest of the match, even if you're better than the other player. But if something gets stuck in your mind and you're all of a sudden hesitant, and you're not playing freely, and you're just you're you know you're hitting tight shots. You're going to lose that match. And I think that's a big issue with you know the that second group of the uh, on the men's side. That is good to know. I just I feel like I don't know very much about tennis, um, mm-hmm. but like definitely I'm interested in just kind of the psychological part of the sport. Like with I feel like golf is similar in a way too um yeah golf is very similar i mean that's what uh, bringing up tiger woods that's what tiger woods was doing for 10 years he he was dealing with it (laughs) yeah he was just like he was just mentally outworking every other uh, golf player yeah he just he he had it figured out and once he was in the lead he i mean if you know his record if he went into the lead on sunday he won like i don't think he's ever lost if he had the lead going into sunday and that's that's really mental. That shows that he didn't. He never broke down, whereas other players have broken down in that spot. Sure. Yeah. Well, and then we saw with him, you know, after the whole scandal came out, mm-hmm. kind of the opposite side of things, where that was obviously a challenge trying to. Yeah, that was a whole other play. That was a whole <laughs> other. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the mental, especially in these individual sports, it really matters, and. You know, I, I really think Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are they're they're talented, obviously, but their mental the mental side really puts them like a notch above. I mean, they just keep winning. It's just a rotation between the three of them. Nobody mm-hmm. else wins. Yeah. You know, they might get to finals, they might beat them here and there, but in the end, one of those three it seems to win it for literally the past ten years. So that's pretty you know insane if you think about it. Yeah, it's true. They're dominating for sure. Um, yeah. Do we have any more tennis thoughts? I was going to say complete opposite of the men's. On the women's side, you have a rotation of new players, I feel like, winning three times a year. Like, you know, there hasn't been outside of Serena Williams really any women's tennis player that's won consistently for more than a year or two, which is literally the complete opposite of the men's side. So the winner of the Australian Open was um, was Sophia Kinnean, I believe it is. She, so she's actually an American woman. So she's the first American woman to win since Sloane Stevens. 
um, mm-hmm. in 2017, and the youngest to ever win since Serena Williams in, since 2002, I believe. Um, she's actually a Russian. Um, she's Russian-born. Parents uh, immigrated over to the U.S., so um, she, she's an American player, and she really, she kind of came. So she was a child prodigy, but really didn't have much um, success until maybe the latter parts of last year, where she mm-hmm. finally got to a final on the women's side um, in some of the smaller tournaments. And kind of oddly enough, the first week of 2020, she lost in the second round of both the tournaments she, uh, she entered. But then in the Australian Open, she uh, kind of caught fire. She beat the number one player um, in the semifinals and went on to beat um, Gurbin Muguruza um, in the <laughs> finals, who had won back in 2016 and 2017. But yeah, on the women's side, it's, it's kind of, especially since Serena Williams has kind of fallen off a little bit, you just have like a rotation of players. You know, one player will win it, and you kind of don't hear about them again, and then you have a whole other winner, so big-time parity on the women's side. Hmm. It's really interesting that, like, there isn't necessarily a consistent winner on the women's side every year. Um, yeah, there isn't. I mean, Serena really is the last one that's been a consistent winner on the women's side. I mean, as I told you, um, so uh, Sofia Biedergerbein, who had won, you know, she won the French Open and Wimbledon in 2016, 2017, and she was unseated for this tournament. So that just kind of shows you she went from winning two majors to she wasn't even seeded for this tournament, which is pretty crazy. Um, but that's what it's kind of on the women's side. Um, at least one positive side, at least for women's American tennis, is you have 17 Americans that are now in the top 100. So a little brighter future for American women's tennis than the men's tennis. I yeah, think. just in terms of the sheer numbers of yeah, relevant number players, and, kind of. Yeah, and you, um, I'm sure you guys have heard of Coco Goff. Yeah, she's she's 16 years old. She's she's starting to reach quarterfinals, which is very impressive. So there's a bright future there. Sophia Kanin keeps it up. There's a bright future there, and there's some other players. Um, so the American side for the women is looking pretty good. I would say, you know, down the road. That's good. Yeah, love to see it. <laughs> yeah. Any other thing you would like to know about tennis? I mean, is there anything else you want to share about tennis? I, uh, for I feel like listeners. you gave us a good synopsis for those yeah, of us who are not educated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a good tournament. I mean, I watched it. Um, it was always fun. The Australian Open is always fun. It's like 105 degrees there, though. So the players <sighs> really, I mean, that's pretty tough on the players, to, you know, especially when you're playing these three, four-hour-long matches. Down on the court, I've heard it gets up to like 110 degrees, and it's like 90% humidity. That's pretty tough. Yeah, doesn't sound great to me. Nope. Yeah, there's your tennis update. Great. Very, very thorough. We appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. Um, you are also a big um, NBA guy, so... Moving on to the All-Star game that happened this past weekend, what were your thoughts on that? Did you enjoy the new format? Um, did you think it was fun to watch? Yeah. So I'll be completely honest. I was a little skeptical going in for the new format. 
I just thought it was interesting how they were kind of just putting it together. I don't know if you guys know the complete rules. It was kind of, you're, they were playing each quarter, um, and each quarter the team won, they were gift, uh, they would be able to give their charity money. Yeah, um, but at 100,000. Yeah, yeah 100,000. But at the end of three quarters, or at the end of the third quarter, all the points would be added up. For the fourth quarter, plus 24 for Kobe's number. Mm-hmm. Or you would have to, um, sorry, my mistake. Whatever your total was at the end of the third quarter, you would need 24 more points to win that game. Yeah. I and definitely yeah, did not. Right, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. did not. Um, <laughs> realized that when I was watching because like I, I understood that it was you know okay you each team wins a quarter mm-hmm. or whatever um mm-hmm. but then when I got to the fourth quarter I was like I was kind of half watching it because I was working at the same time and I didn't have the sound on and mm-hmm. I was like wait there's no clock like what <laughs> what yeah, <laughs> how do you how does someone win <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I definitely I fell victim to not knowing how that worked um but but i did enjoy it i thought it was i thought i'm honestly i thought it was the best all-star game i've ever seen that final quarter or whatever you want to call it final 24 Mm -hmm. points was really fun like they were really i thought they were actually they were playing really hard i felt like for an exhibition game yeah and then the refs were calling like fouls and players were getting upset with the calls and it was yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of nice cool. to see that because you like you would never see something like that in the Pro Bowl, for example. Yeah, it was, you know? it was, they're like chirping at each other. They're like they were getting really into it, which I, maybe the NBA just kind of lucked into this, or maybe mm-hmm. they they had it figured out. But I really liked that final fourth quarter, and I think the other super super smart thing they did was I don't know if you noticed they went commercial free for that final mm-hmm. twenty four point. There was no commercials. So I think that really built up like the drama, so to say. You know, you don't have these random TV timeouts that just destroy momentum as a watcher and probably even the players, to be quite honest. Yeah. And you also don't have people saying, oh, okay, you know, whatever. It's the All-Star game. This game doesn't matter. And it goes to commercial Mm -hmm. and people are like, well, I'm going to change to something else. And then they never come back, you know. Right. Um, So I think probably for viewership, that was good, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the viewership was up, I, I believe uh, it was up 8% over last year. They averaged about 7.5 million viewers for the big game. I think they peaked at about 8 million. It wasn't more, because just with all the Kobe stuff, I guess, but 8% is a, that's, a, that's a good chunk. But Yeah, um, and granted, the NBA All-Star game has actually had increasing viewership for, I think, the past three or four years. So it's been going up steadily. So a good 8% jump is really good. And that's that. those numbers are actually very similar to the Pro Bowl numbers. Um, the Pro Bowl got, I think, 7.8 million average, whereas it's got like 7.5 average. Got roughly. it. Okay. Um, so that's pretty impressive. Like, as we all know, football ratings are dominant. For um, sure. And even the Pro Bowl, which no one tries for, no one cares about somehow <laughs> gets 7.5 million viewers. It's uh, crazy to me, but sure. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Did you watch it, Emily? I did. It was a fun game. I had a friend visiting 
for the weekend mm-hmm. who was like, we can watch a movie instead of this game. And I'm like, uh, we're going to watch this game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fun game. Um, the national anthem was botched, but everything else was good. I think that's two years in a row. Or was that two... The first, oh, the I don't remember what year Fergie. It was, I think it was last year. Was that last year? Pretty sure. Had a good run. Had a good I run. remember um, I, when I when I was watching this year, I was like, "Are they trying to get the same memes recreated with this year's teams as they did last year with the anthem?" Because I was honestly surprised that players didn't make some funny faces. I just enjoyed the tweets that came out of it. Yeah. The t- the really, the, I think the best part of All-Star Game is the social media that comes out of it. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of good stuff. Um, and I always feel that with NBA games. Even, I feel like sometimes the Twitter content is better oh, than the game. Yeah, <laughs> NBA Twitter is on a whole other level. It's really fun. I follow all these random accounts just for that reason. I have yeah. no clue what these accounts are or what they're, but the content that comes out of them is unreal <laughs> agreed yeah. um let's see so just in terms of general nba rating since you're a ratings guy um mm. what are your thoughts on kind of how things are trending this year my my very controversial thoughts now i'm gonna get a little controversial here okay. the nba ratings are down this year yeah. they're down across the board between 8 and 12%, depending on what network you're on. Um, I don't know. You guys can chime in. What did, I'm not sure what that re- – I think there's, like, two reasonings for it. First, the NBA did kind of get unlucky. They put a bunch of Pelican games on in primetime <laughs> slots, and Zion got injured for four months. <laughs> that's just sheer, you know – Bad luck. That's just bad luck, you know. <laughs> But then that doesn't take away from the fact that a lot of these local ratings for the NBA are also down, like in individual markets. I've read 27 of the 30 markets are down, like in their local ratings. Yeah. It's a lot. Which is kind of a, not a good trend. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not completely sure what the local aspect is. I, I, I kind of have a good idea of the national side. Injuries do play a part. Um, contrary to what people believe, or I guess my controversial opinion, people were super excited for this season because of the the aspect of that there's going to be seven to eight teams that can win it. So that's mm-hmm. going to cause more fan bases to watch. I honestly think it's had the opposite effect in a way. The Warriors, which have been the villain or whatever, how you want to see it, the villain or the best team ever the past five years again like the, i'm going to make a little tennis comparison comparison with nick Urios is they were controversial they brought in people to watch them people hated that they were so much better than every other team or you just really liked them because of the way they played or you like steph or kevin durant whatever and i think i think parody a lot of times is overvalued by a lot of fans i don't in terms of viewers i don't think it really Parity doesn't mean you're going to have more interest in the league. I think it technically diminishes interest because you have a bunch of teams that are kind of there in the middle, can win, 
so you don't have a very, I guess, motivated or passionate fan base for a few teams that, you know, the fan bases can really get behind. And I think that also is part of the reason that the ratings are down. Because I could swear last year when Kevin Durant, or in the summer when Kevin Durant left, all I saw on Twitter was people are going to love the NBA this year. They're going to watch it more than they ever have because there's not one dominant team. Turns out, at least for now, it's been the complete opposite. Yeah. So is that just Zion? I don't think it's no. just Zion. No, yeah. it's not. It's not a single player. I don't think. Um, I saw a funny tweet related to this. Um, someone who works for the Ringer tweeted, "You guys want to talk about why the league's ratings are down, but are ignoring that Mercury is in was in retrograde for a decent chunk of the season." <laughs> That really made me laugh. And then someone replied yeah. and said, solar system with that load management. <laughs> I was like, those are good tweets. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm curious to see what the ratings are for the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think that'll give a better idea once, you know, you really have hopefully no more injuries. Yeah. You know, the players are back and. Yeah, I guess that'll tell, but right now, it's, at least this year, really not looking too great. <laughs> Which is proving uh, my point, so I should like that. But I also love the NBA, so I want it to do well. Sure. So it's yeah. also sad. <laughs> so moving on to games of the week. Um, <laughs> since we were discussing how Ohio State is back in the rankings, just for fun, I'm going to go with Ohio State number 25 versus number 20 Iowa. <laughs> Um, do I really think that's going to be a great game? I don't know. But uh, but, but maybe Ohio State will just blow Iowa out of the water. Not a and chance. We'll, and we'll be like, whoa, this no. could be this, – this team could actually be good. No, that's not going to happen. Just playing devil's advocate. Um, what are your guys' games of the week? Um, mine is Baylor hosting Kansas right now. Baylor is ranked number one. Kansas is number three. Um, And tickets, I guess, are expensive Mm. in Waco because, you know, it's a hot spot in Texas uh, right off of I-35. Everyone wants to be there. So, of course, tickets should be over $100. They shouldn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have a friend Um, that goes to Baylor who is, who posts, I think he goes to like literally every single game. You um, you have a friend who goes to every game? No, I have a friend that goes to Baylor. Yeah. And goes to all their games. Well, it's like always, he's like been telling me for the past three months, he's like, watch out for this Baylor team. I mostly ignored it, but he's been telling <laughs> me that. And he's turning out to be right. <laughs> um, I, if he has two tickets to the game, I have a friend, he and his girlfriend want to go. Yeah, I'll ask him. I know he's going because he told me he's going to the Kansas game. That's um, gonna be a. It's gonna be such a good game because I would assume that Baylor fans will show up just because Baylor's so good this year. Well, yeah. Baylor seems to be so good this year. Um, which be fun. The two, they have the two. I think they're. I think Jared Butler's like their best player, or but between him and Freddie, sorry, Freddie Gill. Don't yeah, don't yeah. Latin name. Um, um, they both really are not getting. Well. Yeah, really not getting NBA 
prospect demand, which I find a little interesting. But I, I was reading through, um, I think it was Jared Butler's like upbringing and like his, or his, just his path to, um, you know, being on Baylor. Pretty interesting. Um, he went. I see. He was at a Division three college. Moved up to Baylor. And now he's on the starting lineup for the team. So it's a pretty cool story. Yeah. It's, I hope that's Jared Butler. By the way, it's either him or Freddie. But my <laughs> no, friend I think was it's Freddie who had the who like played somewhere else and then went to Baylor and. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. But they yeah. they have good players. I like their coach, which is not. <laughs> something I expected to say. I was watching Scott Drew give an interview and I was like, wow, this man's such a dad. He's so likable. And like, I think it might have been. Uh, I can't even remember who they were playing, but I was like, oh, I like him. The way, because like when Bill Self gives an interview, <laughs> he's just not likable. He's not not likable, but like Scott Drew, you're like, oh yeah, I want to listen. It's like listening to Mark Few, where you're just like, oh yeah, this guy's nice, even though he don't have eyebrows. Well, <laughs> just kidding. He has eyebrows. They're just very pale. <laughs> These things happen to some people. People, people can find that startling. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to derail. Keep going. Um, no, that's all I've got on that game. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be fun. It's on Saturday, so I'm just like, great. I have a Saturday afternoon activity planned. Um, Raul, what's your game of the week? Um, sorry for my mistake. That was Freddie, by the way. I apologize for all Baylor fans and college basketball <laughs> fans. Um, that was my mistake. Clearly, you can tell I don't watch a lot. They're going to tweet at you. They're going to be like, Raul, why don't you know all the facts about Baylor basketball and i know my friend who told me this who will i told me he said he would listen to this podcast is probably going to be disappointed but hey it's okay (laughs) you live and learn um so yeah i guess my game of the week sticking to me um liking the nba um on sunday the celtics are playing the lakers Mm -hmm. i'm really excited about that game obviously the lakers with lebron and ad um they're a good team, but I think more for, I want to see how the Celtics do against the Lakers. Um, Jason Tatum, who yeah, he's, he's a, is like a rising star. I don't know if you guys saw that game. It was against um, the Celtics versus um, the Clippers last week. It was on Thursday, I believe. Mm-hmm. It went to double overtime. Yeah, that was a good J- one. Jason, that was a really good game. And Jason Tatum, I mean, he's only 21 years old, but he was, he was going up head-to-head with Kawhi and – and ended up beating him. I mean, he had 39 points. Um, so I'm really excited to see, you know, the, the, how Jason Tatum does against the Lakers and just the Celtics in general. Um, could be a potential NBA Finals preview down the line. Who knows? Maybe not. But that's my game of the week, at least. Very nice. Way to bring in that NBA representation. Um, a good pick. It is. It is. <laughs> Uh, hot takes. What are your hot takes for the week? All-star game. Um, the intros, a lot of people did not like Common's introductions and that whole segment. Um, personally, I wish that he would do it every single year. (laughs) Um, I really liked it. He's just, I don't know. He's a very talented person in so many ways. Um, like he's a very good public speaker, obviously a very good rapper. He can write, um, 
that's a very good book. Um, but I just really kind of liked that format and would enjoy seeing that again. But a lot of people were not about the way that he did the introductions. So that's my hot take. But I also enjoyed it. So I'm on your side there. <laughs> I mean, that checks out. I feel like I've seen more criticisms of Common than support, even though it's, yeah, I saw, it's fine. I saw a bunch on Twitter like hating it. I was like, oh, yeah. It was a little long. So I didn't expect the yeah. the intro to the All-Star game to be so long. It was very long. I will say that. It was, I'm like, this is false advertising saying it starts at seven. Oh, yeah. I put it on, I was at work and I put it on on my iPad and at right at seven and just kind of had it on the background and I kept looking back and forth and I was like, it's like 720. Yeah. Maybe I can't, maybe it wasn't quite 720, but it was pretty long. It took so (laughs) long. Oh my goodness. Um, My hot take is not anything to do with how long that was, but... Uh, I've been listening to Weezer's Teal album. For folks who enjoy Weezer and covers, it's great. For everyone else, which is like the majority of people who are like, yikes. Um, I remember when it came, they did the cover of Africa, and I was out on that. I was like, don't mess with something that's already perfect. (laughs) But then the rest of the album slaps, um, which is the hot take. Um, their cover of No Scrubs is the best. You can't listen to it and not smile. It's so funny. Hmm. It's it's perfect. So, hot take of the week. Should check it out. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's, uh... Oh. Yeah. Uh, Raul, what's uh, your hot take of the week? My hot take of the week, which for me is not a hot take of the week, but... <laughs> Emily repeatedly tells me it is a hot take. Um, I really like Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why people don't like him. I I really enjoy his content. His Twitter content is unbelievable. His videos after a Cowboys loss is must-see Twitter content. Um, I just really enjoy him. I don't know what else to say. I know a lot of people won't like it. I, I feel like a lot of people think Stephen A. Smith needs to be like this really analytical, um, really down in the details, focused kind of, um, you know, personality. I mean, he's doing first take on ESPN. That, that shows more of a show than really, a, you know, a really a detail-oriented show, if I may say. I think yeah. it's more for entertainment. I think Stephen A. Smith, in all of those debate shows, I think he is far and above the most entertaining person on any debate show. That's my hot take. That is the hottest take. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you like him, Duranko, or no? Um, I, I do. I find him pretty funny. Um, he just kind of flies by the seat of his pants and says whatever he's thinking. And sometimes that gets him in trouble, but, um, I definitely enjoy him. Um, I don't really have anything against him, I guess, but a lot of people find him extremely annoying. So I think that you are right in saying that it is a hot take to be all in on Stephen A. Smith. I'm all in on Steve. I am. I consume 100% of Stephen A. content. 
As they say on and The Bachelor, actually, you're all in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched, I don't know if you guys know, he was co- that NBA All-Star Celebrity game. He was oh, one of the yeah. coaches mm-hmm. against Mike Wilbon. I watched that game. Of course you did. Because I wanted to see him on the sideline. And by the way, he had a pretty good shot. He was training three-pointers and jump shots before the game when they were practicing, which is kind of cool. Um, anyone can make a shot when they're not being guarded. <laughs> hey, he's like a 50-year-old sports personality dude. Um, you I, should I, be I, able to make most shots when you are not being guarded. I don't care what your age is. If you have oh. any inkling of athletic ability and you've played basketball in your life, you can still drain threes at 50 years old. Probably. Maybe I just like it too much. Can I add one more thing about Stephen A. Smith? Yes, because yeah. you there, love there, him. There, there's a there's a Stephen A. Smith burner account on Twitter. Oh my gosh! That that posts just Stephen A. Smith video reactions to like random and uh, NBA posts or whatever posts. And I and I personally think it's my favorite fan account burner, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. account on Twitter. It has like three hundred thousand followers, which tells you something. Um, but all it does is post videos about him, and it's a great. I would recommend it to anybody. All right, <laughs> there you go. The biggest fan of Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> just come okay. at me, I guess. Come at me. You can at him on Twitter. Just tear him yeah. apart. Get after him yeah. the way yeah. most people get after Peter, the pilot, oh. on <laughs> Monday nights oh, during The Bachelor. Ooh. Um, Raul, are you caught up? I am caught up, yes. Okay, so um, this contains spoilers for the episode that aired Monday, um, February 17th. So if you have not watched it yet, maybe skip ahead. We'll put the the times in the bio. Maybe. Or not bio. Maybe. Maybe we'll put it in the description. <laughs> we'll if not, you know, maybe bachelor. just wait a couple days to listen bachelor to the rest of this spoilers. There are bachelor spoilers in this episode. We'll let you know. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's just kind of quickly run down our thoughts on each woman's hometown dates, um, and then we'll go from there. Um, All right, so Hannah Ann. um, Emily, what are your thoughts on what they showed of her hometown? I liked her. Didn't like her until this episode. I like her. Interesting. So what made you you change your mind about her from this? I don't know. I was just like... (laughs) Oh, just cause. oh no, because she took Peter to go throw axes and she's yeah. good at it <laughs> and he okay. wasn't. I was like, oh, she doesn't need Peter. She will be sad when it, it ends because it's going to end. <laughs> Peter's not going to pick Hannah Ann. Oh, but um, when, I think when, he is real. No, I no, think he's he going to pick Victoria because she's irritating. I don't think she can make it that far. I think he's going to I think that's going to be done soon. Oh, wow. I think Kelsey's going to go next week. Or no, she went this <laughs> right. week. My God, sorry. Yeah. Okay, so yes, Kelsey is gone. So now we have our final three, Victoria, um, Hannah, Ann, and Madison. Um, Madison. So, um, Raul, what did you think of Hannah Ann's hometown? Um, I, I thought it was pretty boring, <laughs> quite <laughs> honest. What about the dad? Uh, it's fine. I, I think I was expecting a little more. So I pers- I know we're going to get to it. I personally thought the first two dates were a little boring. 
or the first three dates um, were just kind of meh, meh. The last one was where the fireworks started. <laughs> um, um, but that, I really don't have many thoughts on that. I thought it was fine. Dad with the dad, I guess. Um, nothing too much on that. Okay. Um, so I just thought it was funny how, you know, he, the dad gives this whole spiel and about how, like, don't say those words to her unless you really mean it. And it's like, yeah, obviously that means a lot, like, to people. So maybe you should think about that before you say it. And then he just goes and does it anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't really have too many thoughts about, about that hometown. Um, what do you think right. about Madison? That was my Madison's. favorite ones. Um, I think it's my very favorite, interesting. By the way, Madison. She's your favorite. favorite. She's my yeah. Favorite. I'll just put that out there. Yeah. Um. She was. She said something like about Peter having the kindest heart of anyone she's ever yes! met, and I was like, <laughs> "He's the person you're gonna say that about?" Like, alternative facts. Okay. All right. Um, Some of the stuff they say, and sometimes I'm just like, do you do Take that back. <laughs> Walk that statement back, maybe. Oh, um, no. I think what's going to happen is, so the producers have laid out that all three of the women are going to have to stay in the same place when they're not doing their fantasy suite stuff, um, which is like a whole day of like a date. So I'm sure they're doing that just because of the Madison stuff, because I feel like what's going to happen is the women are going to talk about like what happened on their like fantasy suite dates. And then she's going to want to leave because she feels like Peter's being too loose and like can't handle that. Um, It's just like the producer is just planting, planting drama, you know, they're stirring the pot for sure. Yeah, I think she's going to find out something she doesn't like. And then she's going to leave and he's going to be upset. Didn't she watch the season where he like gets with that girl, the blonde woman? What's her name? Oh, Hannah, Hannah Brown. Wasn't that like the thing, the windmill thing? Yes. Doesn't uh, Madison already know about the windmill four times? Yes, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with her, but I feel like she's going to send herself home. It's like none of them have watched this show yeah. before becoming a contestant on this show. They're like, oh, why am I competing with all these other women? Like, that's literally the premise of the show. Yeah, that's yeah. like... Uh, oh, can I uh, mention one more thing about Madison? Um, mm-hmm. She was schooling Peter at the oh, yes. part. Yeah, that um, was real embarrassing for him. Peter's terrible yeah, at basketball. That was pretty embarrassing, and that was very impressive on her part. That was pretty good. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like most guys can't do, don't have yeah, the basketball was, skills that she has, which yeah, I love, love to see. <laughs> that was very impressive. That just made me like her more. Yeah, <laughs> she was um, very likable. Yeah. All right, so moving on to Kelsey. So I always forget Kelsey's name. She's the blonde woman who who got sent home this week. But before she got sent home, she had this date um, planned where they stomped grapes because they both like wine. Um, yeah. I'm 90% sure the grapes that they were stomping were literally grocery store grapes. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, go back. Like, go on Twitter or something and look. There's so many pictures of it and not because of that. Um, 
But I'm like, I, when I was looking at them, I was like, I don't think these are wine grapes. I think they literally just put a tub of grapes together from the grocery store. <laughs> um, so I thought that was funny. Um, and then uh, when she went to their her parents' house, um, or I guess it was her mom's house, I think, um, I thought it was hilarious how surprised Peter was to see crab rangoons. Like, you've never had those in your life. <laughs> I grew up in a town of, like, 7,000 people in Idaho, and you could get crab rangoons at restaurants in town. Like, come on, Peter. You're a pilot. You travel the world. Yeah. <laughs> Peter's not the lie. most adventurous young man, though. Like, let's be real. <laughs> Just his face when he was like, oh, my God, these are the crab rangoons. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> he was, oh, he, I think he acted more surprised in that moment than he has the entire season about anything. <laughs> God, Peter's oh, such a man. bowl of oatmeal. It hurts. Yeah. The one, um, I, I believe, I'm pretty sure it was Kelsey. Very nice house. Her parents' house. I don't know if you remember the house, but it was very I don't, nice. no. Yeah, it was really nice. Granted, it's in Iowa. Yeah. But it was still a very nice house. Um, I think... My little... I did not notice that, but I guess I wasn't paying that much attention during her date, I don't think. Um, any more thoughts before we move on to Victoria? No. Victoria. Oh, She just is cry. So I, when I was watching this episode, my roommate walked in and saw that it was The Bachelor and Victoria was, I think she was crying. It was like when they were outside her parents' house and he goes, what's this doofus doing? And (laughs) I'm like, I don't even know when it comes to Peter and Victoria. Like, I feel like he's going to end up with her just because he's like, she's like my best friend. And it's like, no, she's not. All she does is cry. Mm -hmm. I'm not a Sure does. Um, Victoria, sorry. Yeah, I don't think most people are just ba- at least based on how she's been portrayed on the show. Yeah. Um, she just I, cries constantly. I feel like her voice maybe reminds me. Maybe yeah. it's her voice reminds me of like a hybrid between Kim and Kourtney Kardashian. The way that she talks. Yeah, it's like a. It's oh. not either of them on their own. It's kind of like a mm-hmm. mix. Um, the combination of her, what her voice sounds like, and then just the way she speaks. Um, I was like, wow, this is really what it reminds me of. Um, she doesn't seem to know how to have like mature adult conversations when any sort of conflict happens. Um, so. And she acts so different between like when she's with Peter versus when she's with like other people, like, um, did you see that video that Jared Freed did where he's like, every girl normally, oh, hey. And then when Peter comes in, hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> like, I noticed yeah, that, that on this episode. It's like sh- when he like met her on the beach and she's just like, hi. <laughs> and like jumps up and I'm like, Peter doesn't look like he's ever lifted weights in his life. Yet somehow he keeps picking up these women. Every time he kisses them, he has to hold them. And I'm like, well, can they not just stand? Be on the ground. Also, the dog just like ran into the ocean. Yeah, basically. I was like, oh, but the, the dog. <laughs> they don't care about the dog. They weren't there for not. the dog. Um, 
Yeah. So that was, I don't know. She's still there. And we'll see what happens with that. I couldn't Maybe. believe we didn't get rid of her at the end of the episode, but typical. A lot of my friends have been saying they think that he picks her. And I'm like, there's no way she's even in the final two. She has to get sent home after I bet he this. picks her. Yeah. Ugh, that, that would be, be wild. That would be wild, yeah. Her uh, appearances on After the Final Rose and The Woman to All are about to be not fun for her, I feel. I think he's going to pick her because Peter... It seems to make it very clear that he wants to be wanted, mm. and she... But she she's the one who wants him the least. I, yes, mm-hmm. but something about, like, the way she behaves makes him feel wanted. The fact that she's, mm. like, crying over him, I think he, okay. like, he likes that attention. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, she's into me. And, like, even though the other women are like, oh, my gosh, I love you. And he's like, that's nice, and just smiles <laughs> at them. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's not the one. Yeah, I guess he he has gotten like more emotional about her. Yep. Than the other women because the other women are more kind of like easygoing. I guess they haven't really had conflicts. Yeah, like they they just like, like he, hang yeah, out with him. Maddie and Hannah Ann, the two of them with him haven't really had stuff to deal with conflict wise. Yeah, like they're just super chill and like besides they Champagne cute. Gate, which was yeah just a blip on the radar so yeah um looking back now yeah um i don't know i am very interested to see how it turns out i don't think he's going to propose to someone on the finale i think he is going to like reconnect with someone after that i think that um, um, kind of i think that maddie is going to send herself home I think she's going to be one of the final two. She's going to send herself home and he's just not going to know what to do about the whole thing and who he wants to be with. And I think he's going to just like take time to think about it and then, you know, go see the person he wants to like start things up with again in their city or whatever and have that be filmed. That's what I think happens. But um, really, who knows? Two more episodes or three? So there's next week is the... Um, oh, I can't. I always forget how it goes. I can't remember. There's after the final rose and the finale. That's one night. There's women tell all. That's another night. Mm-hmm. And then there's, well, the finale is like the after the final rose episode two. I don't know, two or three, I think. But um, yeah, excited to see how it all unfolds. What are what wines were you all drinking this week watching The Bachelor? Um, so I wasn't actually drinking any wine when I watched The Bachelor, but That's I okay. do have one. I do have a recommendation or a wine that I really like. Um, um, have either of you been out to Napa Valley by any chance? No, it's on the list, but have not. Okay, so there's there's a wine uh, vineyard there called. Tila de Amorosa, I believe it's called. But anyways, they have this like um, wine. It's called La Fantasia. Um, I'm not exactly sure what kind it is, but besides the fact that it's it's really good, and um, it's like a mix between. It's not it's not a red wine, but it's not like a dessert wine either. It's like hmm. somewhere in the middle, and I really enjoy it. And I think they're really known for that. Um, the La Fantasia. Um, wine 
from that vineyard. And if you ever get out there, give it a try. I really like it. Check it out. Go do a tasting. Yeah. What are you drinking, Emily? Um, you've already talked about this wine, so I'll just name it. But uh, Coco Bon, the the regular red blend. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, what about you? Um, I'm on a Prosecco. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that journey for you. <laughs> Gosh. It's back to being 80 degrees here, so I'm done with red wine for the two weeks of winter. Um, that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I had the, I had a uh, Prosecco. It was good. It was fun. Um, and then just some random housekeeping of sports. <laughs> Mel Tucker left the University of Colorado and, uh, it just is worth mentioning because it's a very amusing tale of a man saying <laughs> on Twitter, I'm all in, I'm committed. Three days later, he is on a flight to East Lansing and he's like, I am ready to coach at Michigan State. And he is, in a word, Peter. <laughs> he is. And I'm all in. Goodbye. <laughs> and in a word, Colorado fans are pissed. Yeah. Um, I don't blame them. I don't blame them either. I mean, I don't blame them, but my goodness, do yourself a favor. Go on the internet and just, like, see how angry the University of Colorado fans are. When, especially because Mel Tucker left for twice his salary, and I'm just like, he played himself. He now has to live in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not going to get quite as much sunshine there. Not even a little bit, but they <laughs> gave him more. So I was reading a little bit more about it and um, like what they're giving him for like his compensation package. He can pay his coach, like his assistant coaches and his staff a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cost of living in Michigan, surprise, surprise, is lower than that of Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, so, well, you know. yeah, we, we live that life of being broke so broke. Um, <laughs> but great views. I'm sorry. Great views. Great views. So while it might be like very frustrating that he left, I'm like, well, at least like he's trying to take care of his people in the process. Um, coaching is, is especially in college athletics, like there are no guarantees. Like you can get fired. Like pretty much at the end of any season or mid-season. Some coaches find out that they got fired as they get to the press conference and the reporters are like, hey, you know you got fired? And they're like, I what? So, um, (laughs) like, on one hand, yeah, it's frustrating that he left for those CU fans, but at the same time, that's showbiz, baby. (laughs) It is, surely. Um, Do you have any personal plugs this week? Uh, Just the huge listen to Tailgate Society pods, read our content. We're good people. It's all good stuff. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, but also follow Sports and Quirks on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Now that we are on Instagram, (laughs) you can tag us when you put us as your Instagram story. So uh, looking forward to that, folks. Yeah. How about you, Emily? Um, so they recently launched a spinoff of my favorite, one of my favorite reality TV shows. So the original is called Below Deck. Um, it's about 
yachting and the people that work on the yachts and their interactions with these super rich extra guests who like pay you to have this yacht for a few days. Um, so the spinoff just started. So um, I would recommend checking out the original show on Hulu. Um, it's called Below Deck. Just uh, wanted to share that with people. And I feel like other people who listen to this podcast would enjoy it. And it's a show that not a lot of people talk about. So that is my plug. Raul, what do you got? Um, honestly, I don't have a personal plug. Um, and then just our last thing, our bigger than sports moment this week. So many to choose from. Um, but as we mentioned earlier with the NBA All-Star Game, um, so for the first, well, I guess it was each quarter, yeah. Um, whatever team won that corner, um, $100,000 was donated to the charity um, that basically the captain of the team had picked. Um, so for Team Giannis, it was um, a group called After School Matters, and uh, they're a nonprofit that provides um, after school programs to um, 20,000 Chicago high school teenagers every year. Um, so they do like apprenticeship programs, um, different things to kind of like give these kids an opportunity to. Um, you know, do things outside of the classroom that otherwise they may not be able to and kind of help them find their way as they graduate high school and move on to their next step. Um, so uh, Giannis and the rest of his team decided to donate an additional $100,000 um, to this nonprofit um, to support the work that they do um, on top of what they kind of earned for them, I guess, um, by their quarter winnings. Um, and it was just nice to see on social media all of the guys, like, quote-tweeting Giannis's original tweet and, like, seeming super excited about how they were able to do this donation. Um, obviously, they make a lot of money, but it was still nice to see um, just them kind of engaging with that, I guess. You that love was, to see it. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, we'll include information about um, – that's all I've got for this week. What about y'all? I don't have anything else to add. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Raul. And thank you all for listening. Oh, anytime. You bring numbers to our organized chaos. <laughs> but we'll talk to you all next week. happy to be on. Yeah. Emily and Emily, sports and courts.